Good vibrations, take one. You're listening to Good Vibrations, a Beach Boys music program, sponsored by Endless Summer Hi, this is Al Jardine of the Beach Boys, and you're listening to Good Vibrations with David Beard. Beach Boys with Little St. Nick. Hi, welcome to episode 29 of Good Vibrations, Beach Boys program. I'm David Beard. Glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in. And today we're talking with Beach Boys. Well, I don't know. He's, I think he's got multiple. It's unfair to just say David Leaf is a Beach Boys historian. I, I think he, he would say he doesn't consider himself that. But he's certainly a, um, maybe the right word is student of uh, the group's history. Uh, he is he he authored the book The Beach Boys and the California Myth. He put together the documentary uh, Brian Wilson, Beautiful Dreamer, um, and he worked on the U.S. versus John Lennon. So he's a, f- a filmmaker, a documentarian, um, and and now uh, he's an adjunct professor of music, industry, technology, and science over at the UCLA Herb Albert School of Music, and that's kind of what today's episode's partially about. Uh, he does talk about the Brian Wilson Scholarship and the young man, David Gesser, who received it. Uh, and we just get a little bit more backstory as, as to how that came together, the, um, the origin of, of the idea behind it and how it developed, and then how David came across David's path, <laughs> David Gesser, David Leaf. So um, I, I'd like to just get started, though, because it is the holiday season. 
I wanted to start things off a little light and uh, talk to David about Christmas music. Between the two of us, what I just kind of like to get started on is, uh, since it's the holidays, um, going back to, you mentioned that Little St. Nick was one of your favorites, and I was kind of wanting to go back and jog your memory as best we can uh, to 1963 or 64, and what you remember the first time you heard uh, Little St. Nick. I, you know, I have no memory of it other than the fact that I heard it and on the radio and really liked it. Um, in those days, I wasn't buying albums in 1963. So uh, it wasn't until many years later that I probably bought the Beach Boys Christmas album and cutout bins. And, you know, if it's not Christmas, you don't really listen to it very much. And I didn't know anything about the four freshmen or, or Dick Reynolds, you know, you know, 1963 or maybe even not even 1973. So it really wasn't until um, I was I was researching the Beach Boys and the California Myth that I you know went back and listened to the four freshman records and heard the arrangements and 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 really came to understand what an enormous you know viscerally what an enormous influence uh, the four freshmen were on Bob, on Brian and of course Little Saint Nick is still you know a great great single uh, but certainly um, it's side two of, of their Christmas album that that really you know hit home. Um, because I mean, there was so much Christmas music always, and um, so you know Alvin and the Chipmunks, and gosh, it seems like everybody did a Christmas album, and there were there were a lot of seasonal songs on the radio. And then I was in the school choir, and I can't really remember what we sang, but certainly "We Three Kings of Orient Are" was, is, is a standout. Uh, their version of "White Christmas" is beautiful, but I, you know I don't know that it's any better or different to, to me than, you know, the original. Mm -hmm. uh, same with some of the others. Santa Claus is coming to town. I think I actually like the Four Seasons version, and I might have bought that. Um, so the, the Christmas album, you know, w was fun when I heard it, but, but it certainly wasn't anything that, you know, really, really became a big deal. Well, all these years later, you know, it's interesting to me that when you have, when it's this time of year and the radio is on, it doesn't matter if you're listening to a radio station like uh, K-Rock or maybe Sirius XM, but Little St. Nick always is there um, in that pendulum of Christmas songs that we get to revisit every year, whether we have, whether we're Beach Boy fans or not, it's it's always there. Yeah, no, it's 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 certainly in rotation, but uh, you know, I'm I'm more I don't I don't necessarily like single it out. It's just you know, pun intended. It's just there. It's it's part of the season. Uh, it's you know, it's 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 nostalgic. It's joyous. It, it's bittersweet because you know, as as we age and we lose people we're close to, um, you know, being reminded of Christmas and Christmas pasts uh, can be. It can be a little more difficult than, you know, when you're a kid and you're and you're waiting and you come down on Christmas morning and, you know, what's in in your stocking. I, you know, I as I said, I was in you know the school choir, so to me, Christmas is is really the more traditional songs and then the fun things, like Alvin and the Chipmunks and, and alternate versions of songs. I, you know, I guess I'm one of those people who's just not that 
into it, if you will. Mm-hmm. That you prefer the traditional uh, hymns, things like that. Yeah, I, you know, I'd rather, well, or, you know, uh, you know, God rest ye merry gentlemen, mm-hmm. or oh, oh, Holy Night might be my favorite. Mm. That might be my favorite. I mean, Ave Maria is certainly beautiful. Oh, yeah. I certainly think of that as a Christmas song. And, um, I kind of oh, do. Holy, oh, oh, Holy Night, I think, may be the one that um, resonates the most. Oh, Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining Till he appeared and the soul found its worth A thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices For yonder praise, a new and glorious Lord Strange. 
Hey, this is John Stamos, and you're listening to Good Vibrations with David Beard. So I'd like to talk to you a little bit about creating the Brian Wilson Scholarship in Eva's name, and and where the where the where your heart was when you came up with the idea. Uh, you know, it was actually very simple. Uh, I was I was trying to think of um, you know the best way to kind of you know tie up uh, the life we had together because I met her because of Brian. And, um, you know, we spent a lot of time certainly talking about it, talking about the work I was doing, uh, you know, as friends of his on tour with him. Um, and so he was, uh, you know, a big part of our lives together. And it, it seemed like a very good way to kind of, uh, if you think of it, the, you know, the, 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 the ribbon on a, on, a, on a, you know, if you think of a pile of books, that you had in your house and you were you were moving them somewhere and you you tied a a string around them and then you put a bow on it. It, it seemed like a a good way to kind of tie it all together in a way that honored Brian in her memory. Um, at you know, ironically or coincidentally or whatever you want to call it, at the Herb Albert School of Music, which also has a studio from the uh, Evelyn and Mo Foundation of Mo Austin. Uh, so, you know, Herb was integral um, to to Brian's music in the last, uh, you know, 50 years since Irving Almo bought the publishing in, I guess, 1968. And the Beach Boys were signed at, at, um, at Warner Brothers, and I think it was Mo who wrote the little message on the back of that album, if I'm not mistaken. And then a bunch of years later, Mo was the chairman of the board when Brian was signed to uh, to Sire, and Sire was a Warner's label, and Lenny Warrenker, who was the president of, of Warner's, was a, a massive uh, Van Dyke and Bryan fan. And and so, um, and then, of course, a few years after that, um, Brian Wilson Presents Smile came out on, uh, on I think it was Warner Rhino, uh, and uh, had the DVD, and, and Nunsuch had the album, also a Warner company. So, in a sense, it, it all seems like it came together in that one place, in one way. And it seemed uh, like the right way to acknowledge why Brian matters in a place where, you know, there's the Herbie Hancock, you know, runs the jazz program, and it's a very prestigious jazz program. And, of course, there's classical music and opera. Uh, and there's a performance department as well. It's a big part of the music school. But popular music, uh, you know, particularly music of our lifetime, is not necessarily a big part of, of the curricula in the music school overall. And I started teaching there in uh, January of 2010. And so I'm just about to begin my 10th year. And uh, everything I, I do at this music school is focused on the, the music of the rock era. And so, as I say, uh, it, it, um, it felt like the right thing to do at the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you had a chance to speak to Brian about it, uh, what was that conversation like? really was legitimately thrilled. Um, I mean, you know, there's the formal public statement that's probably posted at his website. And, yeah. You know, when, when we had an event uh, in October that he came to, and and uh, I, he sat at the p 
piano on stage and uh, and Probe and Gregory was there from the band and 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 Brian and I we talked and I interviewed him and asked him some questions and I I think the longest answer he gave during the interview was about what the scholarship meant to him mm-hmm. and you know you, you forget um, you know those guys are a lot older than us and so you know Herb Albert when he recorded his Dory Albert circa 1960 was a uh, was you know made records that Brian loved so you know you just you just don't know uh, about every every note of every backstory and um you know Brian was in LA the most distinguished uh producer in the 1960s um, everybody was you know trying to figure out what he was doing My baby, she told me she don't wanna hold me and kiss my lips anymore. She's gonna leave me and she don't believe me that I'll be true now. Well, if she don't love me, not thinking of me, but why'd she do it this time of year? She knows that I'll miss her and I wanna kiss her. It just You're listening to Good Vibrations, a Beach Boys music program, sponsored by Endless Summer The next part of the show, we're going to talk to David about the Brian Wilson Scholarship and how it came about. But I wanted to start with, because David is a professor at UCLA, and there's a lot of interesting things about David and the Beach Boys that connect through UCLA. Here's David to tell you more. It's all it's all fascinatingly intertwined. And uh, you know, a number of years ago, there were Carl Wilson Foundation concerts at UCLA that Brian played at, and I was 
uh, involved in, in putting it all together. Um, and, you know, the, the coolest thing of all is that maybe is the, the picture sleeve for uh, I Get Around Don't Worry Baby, uh, the photograph was taken on a place called Jan Steps at UCLA. And, um, you know, I never even thought about it. And then one day I'm walking either up or down the steps. I'm thinking, God, this looks familiar. <laughs> and, and, you know, here it is. It's 50-something years later. Uh, there I am teaching at the Herb Alpert School of Music. And to add one more connection to it, in 1977, I used the UCLA print shop to, to print Pet Sounds uh, fanzine. So it, it, it just every as I say everything seemed like this was the place for it to happen. Your your genuine love. What's made the most impression on me is your genuine love of Brian's music. The thank you. The thing that's this it's, it's also, this does all feel very natural because when I heard the news, I was like, well, this makes perfect sense. I'm curious because this is in Eva's name uh, or in her her honor uh, yeah. that. That I'm curious. What what was Eva's favorite uh, Brian Wilson song? Um, it might have been "Don't Worry, Baby." Okay. Um, uh, certainly, uh, "Pet Sounds" was uh, sort of scripture for her. Mm -hmm. You know, more than anything, in terms of naming the scholarship, what I was very careful. You know, what what kind of a scholarship is it? And. Uh, so it's the Brian Wilson Scholarship for Composing, Arranging, and Producing Popular Music. Um, didn't talk about singing, uh, but uh, you know certainly that would have been remarkable. But you know there 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 were in that era very few people, if any, um, who did what he was doing. And since then, in terms of um, Composing the music, arranging the vocals and the tracks, and producing uh, the records, and that is uh, why I, you know the people who really know how difficult it is think he's so important. They love what he did, and, and uh, sometimes they emulate it, and like Jeff Lynne, uh, and sometimes uh, they you know shake their heads and go, "How did he do this?" I, you know, I remember interviewing, I think it was for the, the Smile movie, interviewing uh, Sir George Martin. And he was stunned. You know, he says, well, you know, he writes the music, he arranges it, he produces the records. And he, he said, that, you know, it's just not fair that one person has that much talent. <laughs> because if you think back to, you know, George Martin is acknowledged one of the great producers of the rock era. Oh, yeah. But... Uh, John had Paul, and Paul had John, and, and the two of them had George and Ringo, and, and they did the writing and arranging for the most part, and George was the producer. Mm -hmm. So it's a very different kind of thing in, in terms of, you know, you, know you, you could argue that, you know, that was the greatest team of all time. And, of course, Brian was... You know, he had a lot of different lyrical collaborators mm -hmm. through the years. Sometimes he wrote the lyrics himself, and a lot of times, you know, there were there were others of one stripe or another. Whether it was a one-time only, like you know Russ Titleman, or you know, you think of uh, 
you know, Don't Worry Baby and, and some of the songs he wrote with Roger Christian or Gary Usher or uh, Mike Love and Tony Asher and Van Dyke Parks. It seems like, you know, Brian was the only common <laughs> common element in all of that. And, and so um, I wouldn't call myself a Beach Boys scholar and I wouldn't call myself a Beach Boys historian. Um, I, I'm just, a, a, you know, a fan who was so passionate about the music, and the music struck me so deeply that I, I wanted to, you know, do something uh, uh, that would, you know, show that passion in a positive way. Uh, you know, there are people who study the history much more closely than I do. There are people with real uh, musical chops who, who study the music and write about the music uh, in, in ways that I never could. Um, you know, I tell the students in my various courses that um, I, I'm not going to teach you how to write a great song. Uh, I'm going to ask the people who did it to teach you how to great, write a great song. And that's in my in my songwriting class. In, in my Beatles class, I, I have on stage people who actually worked with the group, like Peter Asher or... Um, uh, have worked with the individuals or worked with the, the Apple Records. You know, people are really one degree of separation. It's, it's, this, my, my classes are not academic at UCLA, and, and that's because I'm not. I don't think of myself as, as an academic. I mean, I saw the Beach Boys in concert. It's hard to believe, but it's now over 52 years ago. I saw them in 1967. I think it was Thanksgiving Eve. And it was uh, the Strawberry Alarm Clock and the Soul Survivors. Uh, the Buffalo Springfield were supposed to be on the show, but I, uh, two nights before, Bruce Palmer, who was the bass player, was well, I think was deported, uh, so they weren't on the bill. And uh, you know, my my closest memory is we went to the show the night of the show without tickets, and at the box office they said, uh, "Oh, uh, you know, the only tickets we have are on the floor." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just kind of comical in in relation to where it now. But it might have been those were two fifty, and the other seats were one fifty. I mean, it was just it was a different thing. And my other main memory is um, when the show ended. My my friends who I had gone with got up to leave, and they would go, "Come on, let's go." I said, "No, I'm not going to get any." I thought it was intermission. Uh, I didn't, you know, I think it was a concert, twenty three, twenty four minutes, however long it was. It was really short. And they go, no, that's it. They had gone the year before. They knew how short the show was. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, fortunately, the next time I saw the group uh, in 1971 at Georgetown University, um, they played one of the longest concerts they ever played, if not the longest. Um, well, well past two and a half hours with encores. And after either four or five encore songs, and when they went off and the crowd was still cheering for more, uh, Jack Riley came out and said, the guys, you know, sorry, they're exhausted, that's it. Um, and still people were cheering. That's how remarkable they were. And, of course, that was not only was it one of the longest shows they ever did, but it was the biggest group of Beach Boys that was on the stage because it was, you know, uh, Carl, Dennis, Mike, Al, Bruce, um, and uh, 
Blondie and Ricky were in the band. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it was, it was, you know, it was as the card was changing. It, it um, you know, that was that moment where Blondie and, and Ricky were becoming Beach Boys, and Bruce was getting ready to leave. Yeah. Um, but I, I think they did. Um, Surf's Up album had just come out, and I think they did six or seven songs from the album. Um, I think they did Most Decide One. They certainly did Feel Flows and Surf's Up. Um, so it was, it was, you know, they were very, very contemporary at that moment. And they stayed that way really until Endless Summer came out. And it was like, okay, you folks want the hits, we'll give you the hits. But, um, no, I saw them uh, at their at their absolute, from my my point of view, I saw them at their absolute peak as a, as a live group. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I went with uh, a guy from my dorm. Uh, he was an RA, a, a, I don't know what the, that stood for, something assistant. And um, I, uh, I met my first beach boy that night, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> Someone found a lighted house late one night And he saw through the wind go aside A big man in a chair, a little tiny bit everywhere He's the man with all the toys Oh, how thrilled and he must have been tempted to go in He stayed out in the cold And when he left them he told About the man with all the joy
Hi, this is Brian Wilson, and you're listening to Good Vibrations with David Beer. Thanks, Brian. Now, as we close out today's episode of Good Vibrations, uh, the last thing, I, as we're talking about their scholarship, uh, I wanted to talk about the recipient of the very first Brian Wilson scholarship, David Gesser. Is it rare that someone possesses all three of those abilities like Brian did? Or, or are you finding that a lot of the students have, have that capability? Honestly, I wasn't really looking. I met him uh, long before um, I thought of him getting the scholarship. He started coming to my classes, and um, he was just looking for, I won't say mentorship, because I couldn't offer a mentorship for his music, but he was looking for guidance, and that's part of my job as the, as the manager of, our, of the music industry minor program, is, is to work with the students and just give them you know, the, a nudge in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And and it was very clear very early on to me that he was enormously talented, enormously gifted, um, and I, you know I've had a, I've had other students who are very very good singer songwriters, and several of them have gotten deals here in Los Angeles, and so it's it's not like there's a shortage of talent, but he struck me as is um, in Brian's mold, if you will. I don't know if you call it a savant, whatever you call it. He's he's very very special, and in, in fact, I'm just, I don't remember whether it was last year or the year before, because in my documentary class I very often show a beautiful dreamer, and it seems like as I say, I'm trying to remember which which class it was, but he came and he played God only knows, and. Um, he just has the ability to listen to a, a, a master recording and, and play it. At, you know, he played it at the grand piano, and uh, just a brilliant rendition. I'm, I'm hoping that we are all fortunate enough to hear new and creative music from this young man. Um, I have no question that um, he, we will hear great things from him. No, no question at all. Oh. He is. He is really and truly extraordinarily gifted you know having having a successful career is different from make, making making great music mm, yeah it's it's rare when you can combine the two right i mean it's yes so i mean you know brian brian did it for you know five extraordinary years and you know then his career and the beach boys career took different twists and turns so there's just no way of knowing what what's going to happen with this young man mm. but um i'm just you know really fortunate um, that he crossed the, my path at the same time I was figuring out who to give the scholarship to. Mm-hmm. And and uh, he actually, you know, made it easy because I don't really, there wasn't a second choice, really. He's just so head and shoulders. I mean, these are, these are really, really talented, and I call them kids because I'm a lot older. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 20, 21, and... Um, but it, but it's, and I think, you know, if I've learned anything, it's a really great talent uh, reveals itself at a young age. I mean, like you can go on, on YouTube and see Yo-Yo Ma at a young age. I mean, it's just, you know, it's amazing, you know, what, what, what's out there. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think, um, you know, that's, you know, that's, you know, yet again, something else to think about is, you know, he's, he, you know, in Brian's time, um, 
you know, you had to make records. You, you know, you know, you had groups. You made a record. Maybe somebody heard it. Um, you know, in in contemporary music, you post it online, and you know, you try to generate interest. But when you when you make traditional classic pop, that's way out of time for the moment. It's one thing if you're a great guy like you know a great writer like Mark Shaman and you're you're writing movie scores and you're writing songs for movies you know you, you've had a career and you've you've built up a credibility and people know who you are etc but how do you do it, do that when you're 20 or 21 so it's going to be interesting to watch mm. yeah well I'm I'm looking forward to what he creates and I'm looking forward to uh, to the success of the scholarship and and uh Future future students uh, having the good fortune to come across your path and and find success. Well, thank you. I, I love I love doing what I'm doing and sharing my passion for the music of my era. Mm. And the only thing I'll ask uh, people listening to this to do is consider making a donation to the scholarship fund. Um, we've had donations as big as 20000 and as small as a dollar. Everyone counts because it adds up. It really does. And um, the, the bigger it is, the bigger the, uh, the fund is, the more we can help each student who we award the scholarship to. And it's a, it's a great way of thanking Brian for uh, creating the, the melodies and harmonies that have touched the soul so deeply. Mm, yes, absolutely. Well, thanks. Um, have a wonderful, wonderful holiday. Merry Christmas, um, Happy Hanukkah, a healthy <laughs> and prosperous New Year, and uh, so great to talk to you, David. Uh, we in the ESQ go way, way back. <laughs> we sure do. I'd like to thank David Leaf. I hope you've enjoyed episode 29, and I hope that you're considering giving to the Brian Wilson Scholarship for future recipients. Great, great uh, opportunity to help really gifted uh, musicians. And if you want to know how to get there, go to your web browser and type in Spark. That's just like a S-P-A-R-K dot U-C-L-A dot E-D-U. Again, that's Spark dot U-C-L-A dot E-D-U. And then just do a search on Brian Wilson and it should pop right up. Um, that's the best way to, to find it. And then you can donate. And uh, you probably can find the link also on brianwilson.com. If you go to brianwilson.com, I'm sure maybe in the news section, it's probably there as well. I also want to thank, because we're at the end of the year, I want to thank all the subscribers, everyone who's taken the time to listen to the uh, program. I do appreciate everyone, and I'm glad to be a part of something so beautiful and lovely as the Beach Boys music world. It's, it's really quite an honor and privilege to be able to do this. And um, I'm thankful to the ESQ team who help make the getting everything pulled together every edition easier. And uh, those names are Ron Cole, Keith DeVoe, and uh, Joe Natale. And, of course, Lee Dempsey for holding down the fort <laughs> and, and back issue fulfillment. So we're not a very big squad, but um, we're, we're really uh, have been satisfied over the last several years with the content that we've been able to provide to the subscribers. And, um, and some of this, of course, is now finding its way into this program. I'm glad to be able to share these interviews with you. And uh, be sure and click uh, if you would like to email me a request for a show and who you'd like to appear 
on the show. And what the subject matter, we just reach out. It's esqeditor at gmail.com. That's esqeditor at gmail.com. Just send me an email. Let me know what you think of the show and um, let me know what you'd like to see on the show or hear on the show. I'm, I'm happy to uh, turn over all sorts of stones. <laughs> no, st no stone shall remain unturned. So I would like, as David said so eloquently, I'd like to wish everyone a wonderful uh, holiday season. All right, take care. Thanks for tuning in.